it went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook. Well, let's go on, uh, Bruce, to that next LPGA victory in 2004. Wendy's uh, Championship for Children at uh, Totten Fields in Ohio, uh, a playoff with He Won Han. That's right, He Won Han in a playoff. That's right. I, I do remember that one. Yeah, I think I'd had two or three playoffs over my career, but uh, that was uh, yeah. I think uh, I think she I think I had finished before her actually, and then she uh, did she birdie or par the last, and then we went. To, I can't honestly remember whether that was I won it on the first playoff hole or not. But I think a playoff's always quite a well. Is it a fun way to win a tournament in the end? I mean, you've played really well, and you know you've had a really good week, but you want to get that victory and to go off and do a you know a sudden death playoff. But uh, luckily, being my first one, I managed to managed to prevail. Mm-hmm. We we've described it as nothing better than a coin flip. Typically, you know when you. When you go back and look at the stats, and Bruce will, Bruce will tell you, you know, what we've found in looking at over the now 81 interviews we've done, all with major winners and mm. World Golf Hall of Fame members, almost half of those women. And Bruce, uh, what do you think the winning percentage is of all, all of you great players in playoffs? I'll go maybe 50%. No, it's not. It's not even that. It's about 43%. Which oh, is, is it? It's astounding, really, when you think about it. Is, it is, isn't it? The world's yeah. greatest players, and they've got a loss record, combined loss record. Well, it just shows, I mean, that you see that, though, in match play events, don't you? It's never yep. normally, you know, it's not like tennis where normally they're top. You could just about pick who's going to be in the final mm-hmm. and get it right most times. But in golf, it just shows there's just that smaller gulf between all the different players. Yeah, and and you know I think if 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 I were to go back and do the analysis and and adjust for multi like more than two in the playoff, three four mm. people playoff, I think if you did all that math, it probably works out to about a fifty fifty proposition. Yeah. Right. There's so much going on before that in terms of were you playing well getting into the playoff? Yeah. Were you? Yeah. Had you both absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's whether you. Got, yeah, I, I exactly. Or, or how long before the the end group you've finished, and what have you been doing? You've been kind of fiddling about, and there's a lot. Like you say, there's a lot of things that go into a playoff. Well, let's uh, let's go on to December of two thousand six because you had a pretty important life event then. You welcomed yes, your first. Yes, gosh, daughter. how could I have huh? to think about that? Yes, Katie was born. <laughs> 18th of December. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that how was, you, um, how do you manage all that? Cause we've, you know, we've, of course we've uh, talked about this kind of life event with a lot of our lady pros and how they managed around all that. Uh, because most of the listeners don't realize that life goes on outside of the ropes. Yeah. It's a difficult one. And it's a, a tricky decision, you know, as a, as a young pro, you know, we probably waited a wee bit longer till we started a family till I was a bit more, you know, established on tour. And, but I think, especially with Katie, uh, the first one, you, you just, you know, I think I'd maybe six months off. And when you come back, you just wonder, are you ever going to be, be the same player? Will I, will it feel any different when I come back? Will I have that same competitive urge to want to play? Um, so it's all, it's quite nerve wracking apart from the whole fact about your, you know, you're having your first child and everything that that encompasses. So, um, there's a there's definitely a lot going on, but um, you know, looking back now, I would say um, for myself personally, having children probably definitely helped my game. 
Um, even though how nervous I was before I'd had Katie and wondering, you know, as I said, whether I'd be able to continue. But um, I think it, it, it helped me focus more in a way on my golf and my practice. I practiced much better because you had to be um, manage my time detailed. much better, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was far more um, quality over quantity. So I had yeah. to be much more structured and um, probably far better practice routine than I had before when you just kind of felt you had all day and you it was all just Correct. you and it was you and and your golf game there was there was more to think about yeah well it didn't take long to answer the question of uh, what would happen to my game post uh, <laughs> post children so uh, Katie's born uh, end of 2006 and uh, mm-hmm. and then you kind of toddle over to the Scandinavian TPC hosted by Annika up in Sweden I guess and uh, Won a tournament by three over Sophie Gustafson and Laura Diaz. Yeah, that was at uh, Barsabak, actually, in yeah. uh, Sweden, uh, where she went on to play a Solheim Cup. But, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a really nice victory. My brother had come out, and he was looking after Katie, and, uh, you know, Graham was caddying for me. And I remember we stayed in a little um, condo just right on the golf course. And it was, it was, a, it was a great week, and I obviously played well that week. And, Beating Sophie was he was kind of at the the height of her powers and being Swedish, so uh, maybe not overly uh, popular with the fans, but mm. uh, a, a nice win for me. Have they had more than one Solheim Cup there? They've had one at Barsebeck and then one at uh, Holmstad. Right. Okay. All right. Gotcha. So uh, we'll toddle on then to 2009, the HSBC LPGA Brazil Cup. And that was by five over Christy McPherson. That had to be a nice walk up 18 because you probably had scoreboards then. Definitely had scoreboards then. I think I was actually uh, five months pregnant there playing that one. Um, And I do remember I just had a local caddy that week. Uh, Graham had stayed back in Florida with Katie. And, um, you know, I remember the last hole, I can picture it still. It was quite a, a tough par four, water both sides. And then you had to play over water the next hole. So we're, I think, as you say, I had maybe a four or five shot lead. Um, so we're walking onto the tee, and the the caddy just hands me my driver, and I says, "Oh goodness, no! no. I'm just going to play. I'm going to play this as a three shotter. So I <laughs> nudge a five iron down, wedge it down, and then wedge it onto the green. Why not? I thought, I'm not going to do anything really stupid here. Why not? <laughs> so, <laughs> I said, if I've if I've got these shots, I may as well take them. <laughs> yeah. We could think of some other players that should have taken that advice. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does seem crazy because obviously if you're leading the tournament, you're, you're playing well, Yes. but it was just a horrible tee shot. And the, and that was the trouble was, was hitting it in the water left or right. Too so much I thought trouble, just, yeah. yeah, just kind of nudge it down, nudge it along and you won. I won. That's all that matters. Isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> I want to talk about the 2009 Avion masters because you were involved in a, in a, I guess a tragic event uh, just days before you were supposed to go to Lytham to play the, the women's British open. Yeah, that was just uh, nine weeks after I had my, my second child, uh, Sophie, and we decided we'd go to Evian as a, a kind of warm up for the, the British uh, to, so to speak. And, um, you know, I was hoping, you know, if I'd played well in those events, um, you know, I think Alison Nicholas was a Solheim captain that year, and I thought that might just get back in our radar after, you know, coming back from having Sophie and not having played. But um, so we went to Evian, and I think, um, you know, Sophie had had uh, colic for the first eight weeks of her life, so hadn't slept. And she had stayed home with my mum and dad. 
So I was probably trying to sleep and um, remember hearing what sounded like rain on the roof of our little hotel that was kind of built into the hillside. So you had a balcony, but you came in from round the back on kind of ground level. So it sounded like rain. So my husband went and opened the door and then not rain, it's flames. There's flames everywhere. Uh, so we kind of panic and, and run out the place and no fire alarm or anything. So we're running around shouting fire, fire. This is probably 10, 30, 11 at night on the on the Wednesday night, uh, typically, of course, with the, the first round starting the next sure. day. And then I think we had um, Amy Yang and her dad were in the room next door to us. And then by the time they um, heard us shouting, they couldn't get out their door. So he throws the a mattress out their balcony and then throws the clubs and then Amy jumps. So um, luckily every, everyone got out and every, everyone was fine, but the, the kind of hotel was destroyed. But um, you know, getting my husband burnt his feet running out on some of the embers and, and couldn't caddy that week. So um, it was quite a, a stressful start to the week. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah, I'll say. So you come out of that, uh, that experience at the Avion Masters with uh, Graham with his hot foot coming out through mm. the embers, and, and uh, you go on to Royal Litham and St. Anne's for the 2009 RICO Women's British Open, and tell us a little bit about what your game was like, what your head was like coming into that week. Yeah, I mean, coming into that week, obviously, I hadn't played really. I'd only played at Evian the week before, probably in five months. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I didn't really I'd – pre- I'd been practicing maybe for a couple of weeks, um, but really didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I was just hoping, you know, I could probably top 20, maybe get my – my kind of name in the in the frame for perhaps a pick for the Solheim Cup and um, you know I remember going out having a, a decent enough first round um, I think I probably went into that um, with the least expectations uh, obviously uh, so I didn't put probably as much pressure on myself but obviously being British um, that's the the major you want to win so um, you know I had a decent enough first round and then the second round I kind of caught fire on the back nine and I think 11-12 went eagle-eagle and had an oh amazing my. back nine and um, vaulted myself into the lead. Um, mm-hmm. but even then, even you know after the lead, 36 holes, um, still a long way to go, as you know, in a golf yep. tournament. But um, you know after the third round, I'm still in the lead. And I thought that was actually when I first started getting nervous. I thought, God, I've really actually got a, got a chance of winning this one. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Sunday, come out and get a pretty, pretty uh, edgy front nine and... Um, I remember walking off the 10th tee and um, looking up at the scoreboard and I was tied by that point with, I think, Ai Miyazato and uh, perhaps Kari Webb, actually. She was up there that week as well. And I thought, right, I played this back nine well every, you know, every day. So come on, let's let's just go and go and do it. And um, as whenever you win, I remember holding a monster putt on uh, 14 for birdie. And uh, I think when you win, you always get that little bit of luck. That's that's just the the kind of little bit you get to um, distinguish you from the from the next ones. And um, I remember standing on the 18th tee. I think I had a three shot lead. Um, and I think if you, anyone who's played Lytham, you stand on that tee and you can just see. I could see Gorse right. I could see bunkers everywhere down the fairway. And uh, Graham gives me a three wood. Says I said all I said was just need to get it on the fairway, and then I've won. So I kind of nudged a three-wood down and uh, got the fairway. And, and it was a great walk-up because, you know, with a three-shot lead, I knew I'd won it. Um, so I remember the Scottish girls' team were there. They were playing the next week, um, I think, at Southport. So they were out there watching and 
had their faces painted with the salt iron. And I remember knocking, a, I think, a six iron onto the green and then two putts. So, um, and I think having, you know, my husband caddying as well made it all the more special. So, um, you know, obviously I had family and friends down watching. So um, it was kind of the, one of these moments that um, I don't think it really sinks in till probably you know, oh, probably a few days later, it didn't really sink in the enormity of what I'd done. I remember that night sitting, um, you know, Sophie was still getting up in the middle of the night and, uh, you know, my mum had been doing those feeds. So I said, oh, well, I'll get up tonight. Um, so I remember sitting at three in the morning, we had the trophy on the on the kitchen table and my mum and me sitting having a cup of tea. <laughs> a great wild celebration we had that yeah, night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a great memory though. Yeah, terrific. Mm. First, uh, first Scottish woman to win the uh, Ladies British Open as well. Oh, yeah, it's always special to when you're first to do something. Absolutely, isn't it? first yeah. one to win a major, as a matter of fact, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, which which is nice. You added your name to some great, great names that have won the Open oh. Championship on the men's and the women's side. I mean, just for our listeners, I'm going to take you through the names starting. Almost a hundred years ago, and they've got a lot of history there with this fellow, Bobby Jones, maybe a name people have heard before. Then you go to Bobby Locke, and then a guy that Bruce knows quite well, Peter Thompson. Not a left-hander. Uh, and the, the, yeah, that's right. The next three guys, we talked to each of them about their wins at Litham. And mm-hmm. I can remember specifically about Tony Jacklin in 69 talking about he hit the best tee shot of the week on 18. You talk about that yeah. shot on 18. He hit the best driver of the week uh, mm-hmm. on that hole. But uh, Bob Charles in 63, and then 69, Jacqueline, and Gary Player in 1974, and then Seve. Seve. Tom Car Park. Yeah, yeah. Tom Lehman and uh, and uh, David Duvall, and then, and then Ernie Els. And then on the ladies' side, I guess in chronological order, uh, Sherry Steinhauer before it was a major. Mm. And then Annika, and then Sherry Steinhauer after it was a major, and then our guest today, Catriona Matthew, and then Georgia Hall, who put up a pretty good fight in the ladies' U.S. Open, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she did. She's a, a good player, Georgia. That was a, she had a great win there at Lytham as well. Yeah. I remember listening to that. We uh, were driving back up home. I remember listening to the last few holes. Yeah. Some 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 great names, and uh, I guess first we got to ask you: you get that major under your belt. What changed? Because you might have played. Did you play some more the next week? Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me, one in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Pan and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about Malbatross? No, I didn't actually. Okay. No, I didn't yeah. have anything on the schedule yeah. the next week. I remember I remember being at home, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, so often you guys, and Bruce, you know this, you win a tournament and then you got to pack up in the car generally and drive to the next tournament. Ben, you don't have a lot of time to really relish what you just did, do you? That's true. 
That's absolutely true. I think that's sometimes the the bad thing with golfers because you don't have time to to celebrate your victories and kind of savor them in a way. I think that really shows the really top class, the top top golfers who can win back to back weeks. Because I think that takes a lot. Because a win takes a lot out of you. You know, to be able to go and do it the next week is quite a feat. Yeah. You got a nice little check that week too, didn't you? Do you remember that? I'm sure I did. I must say, I can't remember quite what I got, but uh, started sure with a three. Nice. Okay, okay. And then another three. Right. And then a five, and then three right. zeros. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty nice. nice three hundred thirty-five thousand yeah. first prize. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Did uh, life change for you after that? Do you know? I wouldn't. I wouldn't really say it did. To be honest, no, no. I mean, for me personally, yes, great. Won a major. Uh, you know, it's just and the British. Um, you know, it's, it really is just. You know, a validation of everything of all the hard work you've done, and you know right. that you've that was the right thing to do to turn pro. And I think it's more, um, at the time, it's just, yes, I've won. That's great. And then, as you say, maybe I didn't play the next week, but you're then starting to prepare. You know, I'd got in the Solheim Cup with winning and you're preparing to go on to other things. So it's not until perhaps later in your career that you actually look back and and perhaps enjoy these victories more than, that, than when they happen at the time, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure a real highlight for your career. I, I before we move on from the Open Championship at Royal Lytham, um, you still got you one should, more win there too. Well, but, but Bruce, before that, there, there's a little story I think she should probably hear that she's not. It happened at the 1974 Open Championship at Royal Lytham that Gary Player won, and the story involves uh, two people uh, who you know. Uh, one is on 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 screen there, Bruce Dublin, and the other one is a guy named Lee Trevino. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I'm surprised you haven't even heard the story. <laughs> well, you don't Trevino know. I might have done if you come out with it. You never know. <laughs> Trevino, Trevino tells the story everywhere. So we walk on the tee Sunday morning, both of us playing not so good. Practice tee. Yeah, practice day Sunday morning, paired together Sunday, and uh, I said, walked on, and I said, damn it, Lee, I, I, can't, I can't drive it in a 40-acre field. He said, well, hit my driver. Try my driver. I said, yeah, that'll work. You know, you're, first of all, you're six inches shorter than me. You stand about four inches further away from the ball than I do, and you think I can use your driver. And he said, just take a swing with it. So I took a swing, and it went straight. He said, well, swing, have another hit. The second one went straight. I thought, I don't know what the deal is here. But so I hit a third one straight. He said, well, that that makes the situation real easy. We'll use the same driver today. (laughs) (laughs) I said, Lee, how are we going to do that? We're going to have an R&A guy with us. He said, get off the first tee. Then on the second tee, if you've got the honor, Take my driver and then once you hit it, back up and I'll hand you your driver and then hit mine. So we did that all the way around the golf course. <laughs> Nobody said anything. The RNA guy didn't do it. And then about, I guess it was about 10 or 12 years later, Trevino's sitting with the secretary of the RNA at a dinner and he says to him, uh, I need to ask you a question. Should, should Bruce Devlin and I give back the money we won in 1973? 
you know, we both won 103 pounds. <laughs> second, he said, well, what are you talking about, Lee? He said, well, we both used the same driver on the last round of the tournament. He said, yeah, sure you did. Talk about something else. So nobody would believe him. No, no one would believe him. <laughs> nobody believed him. <laughs> Anyhow, that's Can you even that's fathom that happening story. today? With the, that could never happen, no. No, there'd be no. someone capture that with a phone. Yeah, yeah that's right. Post it on some, yeah. post it on social media. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so your win in the two thousand nine Women's British Open, uh, as you mentioned, comes just several weeks after the arrival of uh, daughter Sophie. Uh, just mm. eleven days after that fire in France, and mere weeks after Tom Watson. Almost did the unthinkable, which That's was right. to win the Turnberry. British Open at Turnberry at age 59. Mm. Talk about woulda, shoulda, could. I guess it wasn't meant to be, but uh, yeah. uh, that's that's a, probably his one mulligan he wouldn't mind having. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching it. We were sit, all sitting around watching that. And oh, he, I think he, he just hit, hit the perfect shot, shot, didn't he, on the last. Hit yeah. it too good, maybe just a little bit of adrenaline. And yeah. then you just knew, didn't you? You just knew. Once he missed that putt, he just wasn't going to win the playoff. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> it was, no. Yeah, that would have been quite the Wouldn't it? quite the story. It sure would have. Well, let's go on, Bruce, to the 2011 Aberdeen Ladies Scottish Open. Win there four shots there over uh, Kim and Norquist. No, this one was by 10. Oh, was it? That was at Archerfield. I played amazingly well that week, actually. Yeah, that, so that's probably some of the best golf I've ever played, actually. At really was or Fidra? Which course did they play? We played on the Fidra. Fidra. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But that I think that was probably some of my best ball striking. I remember just every hole was just about had a birdie putt on. I could have been even lower than I was and just kind of blew the field away. But it was just one of those weeks where you know, you just couldn't do anything wrong. And yeah, I was just, you wonder why you couldn't have done that every week. <laughs> was there one round where you just went stupid low? I don't think there was one round where I went stupid low. I just was kind of quite low in all of them. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just, I just remember I was just striking the ball so well that week. And how long does that last typically? It lasted a week. <laughs> <laughs> that elusive zone is hard to stay in sometimes. It is, it? isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. wonder where it goes. Well, uh, Bruce, then you go to the Lorena Ochoa Invitational. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's where you won by four over. Uh, that's right. Yeah, where I had, that was... That was where I had Chuck caddying for me again. He came down, and so we got a. Oh. We met after him getting me through Q school. We got a victory on the LPJ with him yeah, caddying. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, yeah, that was a that was great fun. But I had a huge lead in that one. I remember going into the last day, and I think I was leading by maybe oh seven or eight at the turn. And in a way, that's quite difficult having such a big lead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then the others kind of made a little push, and I had a bogey, and then you kind of oh god, I can't blow a lead this big, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so that was that was that was uh, that was a nice victory. That was the biggest trophy I think in history. Oh, is that right? <laughs> the yeah, it's a, it's a massive trophy. Uh, how did you enjoy Guadalajara? <laughs> yeah, I like Guadalajara actually. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, Lorena's hometown. So um, yeah, Guadalajara Country Club was a nice golf course. We played a played a few events down there over the years. Yeah, had an opportunity when she was on tour. 
traveled down there a lot on business over the years, but uh, never really knew what the golf scene was down there. I know there's some nice golf courses, quite kind of old style. I think, uh, you know, Guadalajara Country Club's a kind of, well, I don't know how loud, a, an old golf course, um, you know, kind of tree lined and, and nice golf courses. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we come back closer to home and uh, in 2012, you pick up a win at the Ladies Irish Open at Colin. Killing Castle at uh, that's right by one mm. over Suzanne Pedersen. Yeah, that was um, another. Uh, I think that was just before the Solheim Cup. There, uh, they were having the Irish Open there before we played the Solheim Cup at Killing Castle. So, um, always gives you you kind of good memories when you've you've won, and of course you've got to go and play a big event like that on. So, and then again, obviously beating Suzanne, who was. Um, at the height of her powers, then is always always nice to beat the best. Yep, yeah. Uh, Bruce, the next year she had a close call in the LPGA Championship. Yeah, in B Park. Yeah, you, yeah, you that contributed was... to that um, minus. Playoff. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a funny one. We had, what happened? We had to play. Um, I think. 35 or 36 holes on the Sunday because of bad weather. Long so I was day. actually out quite a bit. I was out quite a bit before MB just, and then they kept the same pairing. So I'd oh, had okay. a good third okay. round okay. and then made a run off run at it again. And in, in the second round, the last round. And um, so I finished probably a good hour, an hour and a half before her. Um, so then it's all that then? you're kind of. Were you actually yes. leading then when you finished, you were in front. Yeah, I was. We were, yeah. I think, Score-wise, I was leading, and then I think at some point she maybe tied me. I don't think she ever got past me, but she tied me. And then I remember watching, and she made a really good par um, on 18 in regulation to get into the playoff. Um, and then I think we had a – that was probably one shot I'd maybe take back, actually, be my on the first playoff hole. I'd hit a good drive. It was kind of a straightaway uh, par four there, back up the hill towards the clubhouse tree line. So I'd hit a good drive, thick rough good drive onto the fairway and the green, it was a two tier green and really the pin was on the bottom, right? <laughs> I can still picture it. And, um, <laughs> the, if, for, if you got to, uh, you know, above the hole, it was super fast coming back down. So I hit this really nice, thought it was a seven iron, really nice seven iron. And it was literally, if it had been two millimeters less, it would have come back down the slope, mm. a kick in birdie. And it yeah. just stuck at the top. And then she went on to beat me. I think they'd be, played down 10 and then back up 18 and she, she, I think she birdied and I, then she won it. But uh, mm. yeah, it was one of these ones I was kind of so far back going into the Sunday with the two rounds that you never really thought. Uh, and then to suddenly get in the playoff, but um, yeah, one of these ones that got away. Yeah. yeah. You, you were, you were seven back and I don't know if it was seven back starting the Sunday or starting the final round, but uh uh, I think it was starting the Sunday, so I had 36 holes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, as you said, uh, NB Park birdies the third playoff hole. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was the first of her winning that event three straight years. Hard to wow. do. Wow. Yeah, that is hard to do. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, it could have very easily been a couple of majors. Well, it could, couldn't it? But uh, every every player could say that, couldn't they? I'm sure NB missed numerous opportunities to, to get the win in regulation. So I, I think every player could always, you can always look at one shot, two shots where you did something silly or yeah. or should have, should have, could have. 
Yep. <laughs> well, we got one more individual win to talk about, Bruce. That's right. Aberdeen Asset Management Ladies Scottish Open win by two over Hannah Burke. Yeah, back at Archerfield, uh, which is just five minutes along the road from me. So, um, as I said, it is it's they're actually two good wins winning those because it is tough to win at home and to be right at home. Um, it is, you know, in your backyard. So, um, and it's always special to win your own Scott your own Open. So, um, yeah, they were uh, two great wins I had there. Yeah. So. Uh... Before we just kind of, I, I want to kind of just summarize the majors briefly because you had a couple other really good finishes in the majors. Uh, uh, at what point uh, uh, were you thinking about sort of slowing your slowing your your uh, yearly schedule down and and uh, maybe not traveling as much? Probably after um, the Sawhim Cup in Des Moines. Um, so what was that in? 17 yeah must have been 17 started playing a bit less you know the the kids were at school now my husband was staying at home I wasn't enjoying it as much you know traveling my own and probably not enjoying it as much because I wasn't playing as well which kind of seems to correlate a little bit doesn't (laughs) it uh you know and I was just missing being at home and and missing out on things uh so I think that was kind of when I playing in that I knew when I I remember playing Stacey Lewis in the singles in the last day, I think I was um, three down at the turn. I think I said to my caddy, well, this is going to be my last singles in the Solheim, so let's win it. And I went on to manage to just beat her. So, um, yeah, I think probably then that was the time I started to uh, not play quite as much. Yeah. And then but as you start playing less, you then get even worse if you're more infrequent. So <laughs> and then you start playing less and less. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of Solheim Cup uh experiences that we want to talk about but just spinning through the majors uh, quickly the Dinah Shore uh, you had a chance there probably in 2007 finishing T2 to Morgan Pressel the year she won uh, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about what happened at Locust Hill uh, in the 2013 LPGA Championship uh, US Open uh, you know had a good finish top 10 actually top 5 with a T4 at Pine Needles the year Kari Webb won mm-hmm. there in uh, in 2001 Um and then, uh, you know, a, 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 another sort of top five British Open finish, which was at Sunningdale when Sari Pack won there in uh, in 2001, where you finished tied for third. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember having a chance there at Sunningdale, and then I kind of got caught in some bad weather at the end of the third round. I was right up there tied with her, and then just the rain came, and I kind of frittered a couple of shots away over the last kind of four holes and kind of dropped me back a little bit. But um, yeah, I had, had another, had a few chances. Obviously, the Dinah Shore for Morgan won. Um, you know, I had really, I remember that I was three putting 18 to miss out in a playoff by one. So that one hurt. But uh, yeah, yeah, I had some close calls. Well, you, you talked about sort of catching the draw in terms of weather. We've mm. talked about that a lot on the show. Mm-hmm. Typically, we talk about it, it relates to uh, play over on your side of the pond, British Open in particular. Yeah. But would would you say, with your experience, this catching the draw and getting lucky with the weather one side or the other, uh, is it sort of just a myth that it happens more over in the UK? Or would you say, you know, it happens equally as much in the US with rain and tornadoes and all kinds of crazy stuff? No, I would say it definitely happens more over in the UK. Because I think in the US, it's if there's rain or that... It, it's usually lightning, so it usually stops play. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, I think over here, and especially with the one T starts that they tend to have, there can be a huge variation in the weather from like a six thirty T off time to a three thirty time. Yeah. Probably there in um Hawaii. Hawaii is, is always the the kind of vagaries of the wind. So yeah, you can yeah. have the has that tended to average out for you in your career, or have you been on the the wrong side of that uh, when you were playing well? I th- I think it averages out. <laughs> yeah, maybe you maybe don't think that at the time, but um, I think it probably does average out over the years. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's talk a little bit about Solheim Cup because uh, what a what a record! I mean, as a player, nine times as a captain, uh, a couple of times. Uh, Quite a record, Bruce. Just looking at her her play across those nine performances, huh? Yeah, the one win loss in half is uh, eighteen, eleven, and eight uh, in the pretty singles. Strong. Pretty strong in the singles too. Six, two, and one, and then in the foursomes, uh, eight, five, and four, and the four balls were probably the one that was the least impressive. Was four, four, and three. So. 22 total points you uh, you scored in those years. So, you know, mm. two and a half points each each time you played average. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be what I would say. I always found um, four ball the hardest format. Um, I loved foursomes. Uh, just loved the whole thing of foursomes and found that in a way easier. I think probably because I would call myself not the most aggressive golfer. Um, so I think that's perhaps where I struggled a little bit with four ball i think i tried to change my game and go for things yeah. more than i normally would have done um so i always preferred foursomes to to four ball to be fair yeah. your partner <laughs> did too i'll guarantee you, your partner loved yeah. the foursomes better. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you sort of you sort of missed out on the very early history of the solheim cup and of course bruce and i have had a chance to talk to kathy whitworth who captained mm-hmm. that first u.s side and a lot of the players including uh, Laura and, and Annika and others, but uh, uh, you began your Solheim career at Jack's Place in Muirfield Village uh, with Pia Nelson as your coach and uh, or, or captain and Judy Rankin mm. on the U.S. side. Yeah, I remember that. I remember playing with uh, Annika was my partner that time. So I remember we were first out uh, first morning in the foursome. So um I think I had the the honour of uh, hitting the first tee shot. So, but um, I could pick my partners well in foursomes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's, how nervous were you standing? She's not too shabby team. a partner to have. No. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that without a doubt is is the most nervous you are when you're playing golf because um, I think it's not the fact that you're representing your country, your continent, but I think it's um, normally as a golfer with it being individual, it, it's only yourself you can let down if you hit bad shots, but in that it's your, it's your teammates and your peers. And you don't, that, I think that's in a way what gives it the most pressure that you're not wanting to let down any of them. And, and you're wanting to, to play well. I mean, not to show off, but you're wanting to play well in front of them. True. Well, your second one, uh, which came in 2003, that was a win at, and we talked about, uh, this venue in Sweden, Barsebeck, uh, with, uh, Katrin Nilsmark and Patty mm-hmm. Sheehan as the captains, and uh, you earned the winning point in that one. Yeah, that's right. Um, I remember the uh, foursomes four ball. I played uh, three of the matches with Janice Moody, who was one of my old uh, kind of uh, 
your teammates back from the Scottish amateur days. So that was great fun. And um, in the singles, um, played against Rosie Jones. And you could just tell from the leaderboards that it was going to come down to, I think Annika was behind me. So it was going to be one of our groups. And again, being in Sweden, I think they were all wanting Annika to get the winning point. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you could kind of tell, like, sorry, I got to the 17th and, you know, all the, the captain and the team and the caddies and everyone come rushing down. So you kind of know it's your... It's coming down to my point. And um, I remember I hit two really nice shots onto the green. And um, the one thing I was, I suppose, Rosie ended up, because she had missed the green, she ended up conceding the hole rather than me having a putt to hole. And I remember uh, Sophie Gustafson running onto the green and nearly knocking me over. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was probably the first Solheim Cup, actually, um, I played in that the crowd suddenly, uh, they just felt really huge that that week. That was kind of, I think, the start of the real kind of take off of the off the Solheim Cup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so speaking of that, did you see a lot of change from that first one in 98 to uh, uh, obviously the, the most recent one you're involved in would have been as captain in 2021? Yeah, I think there's been a huge change. I mean, I think there's there's been a huge change in women's sport in general um, and golf's part of that. But um, I think over the years, you've just seen it really is a, a standalone sports event now it's not just oh this is the, the women's version of the Ryder Cup now it's an event that um, even non-golfers you know want to come like the Ryder Cup they'll want to come and and see and watch so um, it really has in the last 20 years it's it's, it's exploded really yeah uh, just I suppose like the Ryder Cup did over the years when you know once they got the Europeans in and it suddenly took off and I think with both sides winning it it needs to go backwards and forwards and be competitive to get that uh, people watching uh, agreed. Yeah. So in terms of venues, if you just set outcome aside, you know, win or loss, it doesn't matter. What was your favorite venue uh, on your side of the pond? What was your favorite U.S. venue for that event? I think over in the U.S., I think I think we lost this one, but I think Crooked Stick was uh, one of my favorite venues in the U.S. Carmel, um, yeah. yeah. And then over here, hard to beat that one at Barsabek, actually. <laughs> you know, first win, and I'd yeah, won. Yeah. I'd won a golf event at that golf course, so that was a tough That's one right. to beat. Yeah. yeah, a lot of great memories there, right? Mm. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, uh, uh, having an opportunity to compete as a player nine times was special enough. But how special was it when you to get the, the call and team. say, "Hey, we want you to captain the 2019 team." Yeah, I think that was that was a huge honour, and I think to um, to have the opportunity to do it in Scotland because um, obviously being European, you don't. It's quite unusual to actually get it to do it in your home country as well. Right, right. right yeah. So that was um, extra special, and then you know just the whole event, and then the way it finished, coming down to last putt and the last green. You honestly, if you couldn't have scripted it like that, I think <laughs> if like the. The Hollywood writers had written that you wouldn't have believed them. You'd have said that's ridiculous. Uh, so that was a, that. Yeah, that probably you know even surpasses some of the ones you played in. To be honest, uh, you went up against Julie Inkster, pretty tough competitor as as your as your opposing mm. captain in that one. And then the next one, yeah, another, very tough. A uh, next one, another win uh, in 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 Ohio at Inverness a Golf Club with Pat Hurst leading the U.S. side. Mm. So win win, perfect record as a captain. Yeah. Yes, that was a good time to stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think Inverness was was special in different ways. That was during COVID, so we had no no European fans, basically. Um, there was literally maybe 
50 at the very most of European fans. So that was, uh, in a way, that made that one very special just because of the circumstances of it. And then, you know, as the away team, you don't, you don't often get that chance to win away from home. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure you're getting calls from the, the current captain for this year's team wanting to know what the secret sauce was. No, I think Suzanne will do a good job. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she was vice captain uh, for me. So, um, and obviously she's got a fantastic uh, record and career in it. So um, looking for good things there. Yeah. So before we wrap up, uh, maybe just catch our listeners up with uh, what life looks like now for Catriona Matthews. Uh, uh, what are you involved in outside of golf? What's your golf uh, uh, situation look like these days? Yeah. Uh, for me now, I'm, I, you know, I'm not playing a huge amount. Um, you know, I'll play maybe five events this year. I'm going to play actually the, the Women's British Open next week at Walton Heath, uh, kind of as a, a preparation for the Senior US Open, which is uh, third week in August over in Portland, Oregon. I'll see you there. Um, mm. Yeah, and then I'm playing, um, you know, an LET event. My Sophie, my youngest daughter, is going to come and caddy. So, um, oh. you know, just some kind of fun things, go and play yeah. in the odd event and, you know, trying a bit of commentary and, um, you know, a few corporate things. And, and then my you know the kids are 14 and 16 so it's kind of important time at schooling for them so uh, you know it's nice being home more and after yeah. traveling so much um you know kind of just enjoying being at home to be honest yeah. it's amazing how you can fill your time <laughs> yeah isn't that the truth <laughs> so before we uh, finish with our three traditional questions i'll ask you i'm going to put you on the spot i'm going to ask you a couple of trivia questions one is hard uh, one is I failed miserably earlier, <laughs> <laughs> and the other one I think you'll get the the other one you, no, right. will be hard. No, don't say it, that. Don't say that. You know. So the, you want the hard okay. one first or the easy one first? Well, you just go, and I'll tell you which one's hard and which one's easy. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the first question is: This is obviously the hard question. Yeah, yeah. The first question would be: Could you name? Right. And I don't expect this. I don't expect hmm. anybody to be able to do this. I'd say no. Can, can you name the the twenty venues that have hosted the Women's British Open? No, no, I'm sure I couldn't. Okay, correct answer. <laughs> correct answer. That's I can't right. either. I bet you could name though the fourteen venues that have hosted in history the Men's Open Championship. So I'll give you a hint. Okay, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Seven, seven in Scotland, six in England, one in Northern Ireland. Okay, uh, Prestwick. We'll, we'll, we'll Turnberry. Yeah. Cover Ayrshire Trim. first. There's the three in, in Ayrshire, right? Yeah. Um, St. Andrews. There you go. Mirfield. Yeah. Is that only six in Scotland? That's well, There's seven in Scotland. You name five yeah. of them. Oh, Carnoustie. Carnoustie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lytham, Birkdale, Hoylake. Well, let's stay in Scotland. There's one more in Scotland. Oh, is there one more in Scotland? Yeah, there is, yep. Uh, yep. Andrews, early, early, early. It's going to be around for a while. It's close mm. to you. Musselburgh Old Links. Ding, 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 ding. Um, now you're down in... Lytham, yeah. Birkdale, Toy Lake, St. Okay. George's. And there's two more by George's. Old, 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 old. Mm, I don't know if I'll get them. Deal? Winner? Winner, chicken dinner. We're going to talk to Karen, Princes. Karen Stupples from there next week. Princes. Um, Princes, that's right. Gene Sarah's and one at Princes. And uh, over Northern Ireland is um, County. No, just north of County Down. Royal Port 
Port Rush. Rush. Yeah. Rush. All right. We got him. We okay. got him. Just. Now we got three. Just. We got three easy ones for you. And I'm okay. going to okay. let Bruce go first. Okay. So uh, you don't have to look back quite as far as some of the guests that we've had before. You, Kationa. Mm-hmm. But if you knew when you first started playing as a professional, what you know now, what would you do differently? What would I do differently? Um, I'd work a lot more on my strength work, getting stronger, and I would have worked a lot more on my short game. Okay. Good answer. I think I know the answer to the next question. Okay. One, one career mulligan, where do you take it? Well, it's either the uh, Rochester, that seven iron, or my three putt at Dinah. <laughs> <laughs> that's we'll two. An extra, we'll give you an extra that's one. That's two. Yeah. We'll, yeah. That's two. We'll give you an extra one. Okay, Bruce. Probably so, the one at Rochester because that would have been to win. Yeah, the other okay. one was to get in the playoff. There you go. Fair enough. So, our last question is a simple one. Okay. How would you like to be remembered? Oh, that I think that's probably the hardest one. <laughs> um, I just as a, oh, I don't know, just as a, a nice person who happened to be good at golf. Beautiful. <laughs> well, you know, one thing that we have to say too, and that is that we have had a great time having you today. But uh, we look oh, thank forward you very to much. this. And, Enjoyed uh, it. Thank you for all your time, and uh, it's been fun. Yeah, thanks very much. I've enjoyed it. That was good fun. Thanks for joining us, Catriona. And uh, it's a real privilege for us to be able to add your stories to all the golf greats that uh, we hope will be archived in perpetuity for younger generations I of golfers. To look forward to listening to more of them. <laughs> okay. Good. Wonderful again, having you. And hopefully we'll see okay. you at the Senior Women's Open out in Portland in August. Yeah, I'll be there. So if you're there, I will see you. All right. Perfect. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway, it went smack down the fairway, then it started to slice just a smidge off line, it headed for two but it bounced off nine, my caddy says long as you're still in the state you're okay, yes it went straight down the middle, quite a way.